This is the RunPod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle Feinbaum. <laughs> and I'm Jeff. And you can follow us on Twitter at RunPodOption or email us RunPodOption at gmail.com. This is our last conference preview for the 2020 season that's upcoming, question mark. Please check out our back catalog. We had a lot of fun doing the other episodes. And we saved the best for last, right? The SEC, the best, best conference in football. SEC. What we do for our conference preview shows, if you're new here, is that we go through coaching hires. We talk about different players to watch from each team. We talk about any games that are going to that we're excited for, and then making the predictions at the end on who's going to win the conference. We do have this disclaimer, which is we're just going to assume here that the only games that are going to be played are going to be SEC conference games. So we're not going to modify it if you pull up your FBS schedules. Just ignore all the out-of-conference stuff, because as much as we love the out-of-conference stuff, and really that's been the bread and butter for some of the earlier (laughs) conference previews, we don't want to (laughs) talk about an Alabama-USC game at length, and then that game be be canceled. Lee Corso came in real quick and said, not so fast. That's exactly what he did, yeah, as he was wearing every SEC mascot head on top of his own head like some kind of weird totem pole <laughs> that'd be the weirdest totem pole um, be off, be off. it's just an elephant it's a the commodore head a game cock but it's a live one that's like stuffed in the hat of the i don't know all right uh oh. <laughs> jimbo fisher is on top of it yeah, jimbo fisher no the boot that jimbo is going to get when he wins a championship is on top mm, of it's just the plaque it's his plaque that he's already gotten. <laughs> it's the plaque. So let's go over new staff highlights. So just looking here at our little cheat sheet, there are only five teams that didn't make a change at either coordinator or head coach. We're not going to dive into every single one of these, but there are a lot of really interesting ones. So, hey, maybe we will. And or go fun ahead. ones. Yeah, there's some fun ones in here for sure. So I'm going to start with something that I think is probably a lower impact one, which is going to be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is still rolling with Derek Mason, but Derek Mason brought in a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. Their offensive coordinator, Todd Fitch, he's a more of a spread guy. He was at Louisiana Tech. He was a guy that's followed uh, Skip Holtz around a whole bunch, and he's been pretty successful, and Vanderbilt really needs it. They were 105th last year in SP Plus offensively, and they're only returning 35% of their offense, so that's going to be something that that is probably going to be a a rough ride, especially year one. And then they got Ted Roof from App State. Good God. Spent a year there. He is the former defensive coordinator at Duke, Auburn, Georgia Tech. That's the rule at App State, though. You you can only stay there for one year. Yeah, it's a hot hot potato gig. (laughs) It really does seem like that. And Ted Roof is probably going to improve things, I guess, but he's also... I don't know if y'all have any takes on Ted Roof because the only thing I ever hear him in comparison to is man, he really used to have it. I I don't have any hot takes. I'm just saying it's it's an uphill battle there at Vanderbilt. So yeah. Yee. Well, he even is Mason totally hands off on the defense, or is he still involved? Because it's not know. always his jam. Yeah, he? I mean, if if I want, if I'm choosing between the two, because Derek Mason's also an incredible motivator but i think ted roof is probably the schematics maybe mason is the 
technique guy, you know, depending on the position. It just, I don't know. I, I don't know how much impact Ted Roof can really have, especially in year one, but Vanderbilt in general. They're always, what, number 10, 12 in, in the conference. I mean, they're they're never really a factor. You're right. 10 for them will probably be a good year <laughs> this year. Yeah, like like they, they ranked 101st last season. Um, so if it is, if Mason was pretty hands-on, then he's not doing a great job. But I think, you know, Max just being in the in the East and seeing how a lot of the, the top three or four of the East have gotten pretty consistent, or at least they're, they're not an easy out. I can't imagine the best Vanderbilt defense in the last 10 years placing 70th or 65th, maybe. But then, yeah. you know, the offense is still a mess too. So I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see how that works out because it's also similar to the, uh, I can't even remember the hire, but there was another coach that we thought was on the hot seat and they brought in two coordinators to go, oh, hire Herman, Tom Herman, where it kind of felt like, all right, is this a, a hire where we want to get better? Or is this also a hire to try to extend some time for Derek Mason at Vanderbilt? But the difference is, this, is that Mason's been there since 2014. But it's also like a, an incredibly hard place to win. Yeah, yeah. He's been there since Franklin left, right? Because yeah. he was, he, and he was brought over from Stanford, if I remember correctly. Because he was Stanford's defensive coordinator, maybe. Yeah, it's been so long and ago now. They did just switch athletic directors too, which in a in a normal year, that's kind of a kiss of death, right? Like new athletic director, new coach, but it's going to be hard to say this year, you know, with costs and everything. Off, off Vanderbilt. Jeff, give me uh, a coordinator or a coach you want to talk about next. Well, I think I know you have an uh, affinity for this family, so I'll, I'll leave him alone. Oh, but uh, God, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're right. I know exactly where you're going with this. Um, one guy that kind of has an interesting gig Jeff Levy coming in at Ole Miss uh, I believe he coached with at UCF for a couple of years is that right so yeah kind of he been was, a part of that explosive he's got a ring then yeah he offense. was an, <laughs> he does he's a national champion he was the offensive coordinator at UCF in 2019 and he actually got his start as a grad assistant at Oklahoma which is how he met Josh Heupel and oh, they wow. became friends. But he also got a lot of his start uh, on the offensive coaching staff working with Baylor and Art Bryles. <laughs> it just, it all, it all, so even though Lane Kiffin does not bring Kendall Bryles with him, he brought Kendall Bryles' buddy, Jeff Levy, with him instead. Because <laughs> Arkansas out Kiffin Kiffin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, you know, it's a good pickup. It's kind of an interesting – I don't know how much schematically they'll change. I mean, Rich Rod was there last year. They've pretty much been a, a spread team you know, for a while now. So, like, schematically, they'll be pretty similar. But I think – how would you guys characterize UCF's offense? They're pretty balanced, right? Like, they were explosive in both a running and passing game. So, they were it, dynamic. It could be a good hire. Yeah, I think they were, they were dynamic. They, they benefited from having probably the, the best talent within their conference – and their only real struggle offensively throughout the entire year was that Cincinnati game. But that's going up against one of the best defensive minds. So you can maybe forgive that, except that you're coming into the SEC, who 
is supposed to have some of the best defensive minds. So it'll be interesting really when we get to the players in general, because the old Miss quarterback situation is one that is going to really determine the kind of move that Levy makes because it is spread, but you go from a rich rod spread to anybody else's spread. And it's going to be pretty different in terms of what they're going to be calling. It might look the Mm -hmm. same pre-snap, but yeah, I'm interested to see, to see how he does that too. And, on the other side, we spoke about it in our, our coaches episode this spring, but bringing in DJ Durkin, <laughs> never ideal. And for anyone who is unfamiliar, uh, his recent splash was that he was the Maryland head coach and he was in charge when Jordan McNair died, I believe, in practice from maybe like a heat situation. I can't remember exactly yeah. the situation, but but after after he unfortunately passed, the investigation that followed after, the amount of toxic culture stuff that was just bleeding all the way through that whole DJ Durkin staff and system was tough was a tough read, man. That was yeah. I cannot remember the reporter that reported on it. It might have been Nicole Auerbach, but it might yeah. just be me forgetting. Line. Yeah. But it was it was a it was a rough read what those kids were getting subjected to. And then Kiffin said, "You know what I need? Yeah. <laughs> I need to bring this guy in. Yeah, he just It'll be uh, perfect in Mississippi. Yeah, a guy that likes to play head games. Cool. Sounds like a good defense coordinator. Not realizing what head games it was. It was not realizing it was like uh, videos of maggots in the in the eating hall, you know, and stuff like that. To, to <laughs> it was the ring when Bray Wyatt was fighting Randy Orton. Yeah, it was." <laughs> I mean, it was like the the scene that they painted of the culture of DJ Durkin and the kind of stuff they would play, like the slasher movies and stuff was like during the, the mess hall. It was almost like they were just playing old late 90s corn music videos or like just like <laughs> or like or like the fringe metal music videos. I bet you DJ Durkin has absolutely like a five finger death punch tattoo <laughs> or is just a huge fan of Static X. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a huge, huge fan of Disturbed. D- oh God, Disturbed and Godsmack. I bet Godsmack was oh, his jam Jesus. too. But you know, you know what's wild about that? The two coaches he spent the most time under were Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh. So it's like, you know, where did this, you know, because that 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 is not innate. That comes from somewhere. So. Okay, know. so those guys probably, you know, even though so they're Harbaugh's squared away, disturbed. No, they're squared <laughs> away with their dockers, but they're just listening to Megadeth. Well, <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. You, you know, I think Jeff, it could be from, you know, there's there's a chance that he did inherit that from the, the Meyer or the Durkin camp. or I'm sorry, the Meyer or the Harbaugh camp. But, you know, when when you're constructing any kind of team, in fiction, right? So it's like the Justice League, the Avengers, or uh, you know, some fake. Uh, the remember the Titans, whatever it is. When you're assembling a team, there's always the bad boy. Oh, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> you have the Bash Brothers. Like there's the bad boy, <laughs> and maybe, maybe DJ Durkin was just the bad boy hire on the staff that kind of kept everybody on their toes, <laughs> and so. And, and and then, unfortunately, someone was brave enough to give him a head coaching gig. And when you have that running the entire... Wasn't Todd Smith underneath Urban Meyer? 
Was it Todd Smith? Who are you talking about? I don't either. I don't know. Zach Smith? Zach Smith. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was Florida and Ohio State. Well, yeah. He, I mean, I mean well, DJ Durkin took the Maryland job, so he couldn't bring him in. So the substitute was was the guy that... The, the, uh, I think it was some four-letter, like, average white dude name. Gross. So let's go ahead and talk about the other gross uh, hire, I guess. So not gross. <laughs> Sam Pittman, new head coach at Arkansas. He brought in Barry Odom to be his defensive coordinator. I think that's a great hire. A, because Mizzou had a top defense, but also getting the head coaching experience on staff when you don't have it that says Sam Pittman doesn't. And then bringing in Kendall Bryles <laughs> Your during boy. the offense. And the thing about Kendall Bryles is that there might not be a better mercenary offensive coordinator in in FBS right now where you can bring someone in and they vastly improve what the offense does. So for that reason, I think Sam Pittman made a good hire schematically. It everything is else. Yeah, everything <laughs> else. And, and I mean, he does have roots in Texas recruiting too. We also know what those recruiting stories sounded like on the Baylor side. So give and take, I guess. But I imagine Arkansas, even with all the stuff that's happened with coronavirus, they are going to be twice, three times, four times more exciting to watch this season, even if they don't win a single game purely because of Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles, I think, and Sam Pittman being uh, what seems like a very level-headed coach. Are you slighting Chad Morris? Yes, and you know, there, there, I am. And, and as much as I was a fan of what Chad Morris did at SMU, there was a lot of stuff he did that was uninspired. And when I read a few different anonymous, this is the feature of the show now, what the anonymous coaches say through the Athlon reporting <laughs> or through the Athletic or whatever else, the thing that kept being mentioned about Chad Morris was his vanilla offense. And like, that's not what wow. he's supposed to be. Yeah, that's not his, his bag. And I think there's probably a reason for that. And it was either a a player issue. He didn't have the right pieces, so he didn't feel like he could run the kind of offense that you would expect from Chad Morris. Or that the dudes just lost it. Like maybe, maybe, maybe just, or, or maybe there's the part that in the SEC, especially the SEC West, that stuff is not going to fly until you've worked out every single kink when you're at an Arkansas level. Or, and also, or, or this, he uh, isn't cut out to coach at that level. Very, very possible. And and while we're there, let's talk about Chad Morris being the new Auburn offensive coordinator. Is he ready to coach at this level? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I he was he was fine when Clemson was on the brink of being what they are now. So you got the talent. Auburn the t- does have the talent. Yeah. You've got the talent. I, Gus Malzahn's going to be the offensive coordinator. Like it, yep. it really, it's, I feel like you could Chad probably Morris is just there. Yeah. We could probably do this. We could probably do this every single season on July 27th and mention whoever the offensive coordinator is for Auburn and do an over under six games on when they are going to lose their play calling responsibilities. Because it happens that Auburn had a good year last year for having a freshman, true freshman quarterback, and they still had 
the issues where Malzahn took the offensive back under control. I think maybe right before the Alabama game, even like it's just it, it's 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 part of the gig with Auburn right now. But they the the two of them come from different schools of thought, right? Like I know they coached in the same region, but Malzahn is more run based, and was Morris more like passing spread or no? Were they were they similar? So Morris was was passing spread and kind of staying in that vein. He also is a very good recruiter out of Texas. So there is something to be gained there in recruiting. He's supposed to also be a quarterback specialist. He's supposed to be pretty great at that. That sort of remains to be seen, I think. And, and part of that is I don't think he had, definitely at Arkansas, I don't think he had a quarterback that he fully trusted ever at all. And it showed. Even when he brought mm-hmm. what's-his-face from SMU, like he, he got time and then he got benched. And then you run Jerry Jones's grandkid out there. And then I don't, I don't think he, I think he probably has the ability to coach up a quarterback. And if they plan on keeping him for a long time and they want to maximize Bo Nix, it's probably a good bet to have him there, but let's not call him an offensive coordinator. He's going to be a quarterback's coach. I think first and foremost, mm-hmm. get an OC pay. Yeah. Just yeah, draw on that OC money. <laughs> well, he's probably still getting his Arkansas payoff. So. <laughs> well, I'm curious about that, though, because there's there's always read, like, with Sumlin, for instance, when he took the job, that he was incentivized not to take it because then his buyout would become cheaper. I don't know. Yeah. If, I mean, never, no contract is the same, necessarily, but I'm sure, like, if if Morris had, and I don't know the numbers at all, if he had $20 million as a buyout, he's probably still getting seven for getting an, a coaching job the next year still, which, listen, $7 million is, like... I'll take it. It's all right. Yeah, I'm not complaining about that. I will gladly concede play calling to Gus Malzahn <laughs> week three if you can give me just a uh, just a fraction of I'll buy Chad Morris' salary. For that. <laughs> <laughs> there are two other head coaching hires that we're going to hit too. Let's get Elijah Drinkwitz out because that's I think you know I say it's the least fun, but did you guys hear what he was saying about? Like the the banter that he had during the SEC media days? No. They were asking him how he thought about playing games in front of an empty stadium. And he said, "Uh, brother, I've coached in the Sun Belt. (laughs) That's wonderful. For the best team in the Sun Belt. (laughs) Yeah. So on on that, you know, I I don't have a hot take on, on Eli Drinkwitz. He made a fantastic decision in retaining their defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, because they had the 17th best defense, SP+. They were really good last year. And Elias is supposed to be the offensive mastermind. He has Curtis Looper with him. Mizzou still got some growing to do, I think, and it doesn't help that they're in a pretty strong East division this year. Nothing more East than Missouri. And, and the part, I guess, that I doubt about Drinkwitz the most is because of our own Jeffrey, who visits and sees a lot of App State games. You're, I don't know, it would, it wouldn't be an endorsement, but you mentioning that basically they were running the same offense as the year he wasn't there mm-hmm. before they got him from NC State, and it being more of a system situation. So I really don't know what to expect at Mizzou. 
to me, it's something you have to give him time because it's also not like an easy situation in Missouri. On to Mississippi State. The Pirate. The Pirate, Mike Leach, takes his talents to the SEC. His last hurrah. You think this is the last coaching gig for him? I think it's the last big one. Man, I almost wish he'd... Whenever he is done, just be an off, just do the Hal Mummy routine. Just be like offensive <laughs> coordinator, like across the country, everywhere. Get an XFL team. <laughs> so Zach Arnett, the fourth, iter- the fourth iteration of the XFL when it comes yeah. out. Yeah, in 20, 20, 29, and there'll be another <laughs> pandemic that cancels their season and it's doom again. <laughs> so Zach Arnett, former Syracuse defensive coordinator, <laughs> for like a day. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, for thirty six hours before Very he got poached about that. By, by Mike Leach. I think it's a brilliant hire. Someone that he played against, so I think he has a, a lot of respect for. It still feels weird to hire the guy that can stop you and not the guy that can stop the rest of the SEC, but <laughs> the SEC is also adapted a lot more than it was, you know, 10 years ago, even eight years ago. It was not nearly as exciting offensively across the landscape. So I think it's a pretty good hire. We're talking about this coming season, question mark, and Moving past that, let's let's go ahead and say he's going to have a, a seven or eight year stint at Mississippi State. Well, I want you guys to pick the maximum amount of wins in a season across. So a, a chance to get a full recruiting class and then some. What do you think the max wins in a season are for Mississippi State? I think he jumps up at one point and gets ten. I'm going to say eight. I guess I'll go in the middle and say nine. <laughs> I want to say ten because I do think it can it could be possible. It's still it is, Texas Tech. Yeah, but Texas Tech didn't have LSU, Alabama, and Auburn. And the only right. reason I don't think it might be ten is only because of that. Now we saw how low Alabama can get without Nick Saban, right? Before he came in, how poor they were. Yeah, how long is he going to be there? Yeah, so there's a chance that in eight years. An LSU, Bama, or Auburn probably drop off. Jimbo will still be there looking for a national championship at A&M. <laughs> or we'll see what Arkansas does. So you're almost talking to me the 10. I'm going to stick with 9. I think 9 is probably max. And really, I think that's where Mississippi State needs to be. Mm-hmm. 9 in a fantastic year, and maybe you knock off an Alabama that year too and cost, you know, cost them the SEC championship bid or something like that. They're always going to be a pain in the ass for those teams. Nobody's going to want to play them. Even on a year that they've got like five wins, nobody wants to play them because they're going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, there's there's so many snaps that they, they take offensively. Even if your defense is getting stops, they're going to be on the field for probably 100 plays, which is a lot to ask for. Like, Yeah. And, and especially if it's, you know, 70, 80% passes. That's a lot of yards, empty yards that those safeties and cornerbacks and linebackers are going to have to be running to. So, yeah, I do I do like them to be similar to the way his run at Texas Tech was, where they could be the, the snake in the grass to upset and ruin a season. But it's hard to imagine them winning the SEC. I just think that they're going to have one year where, like, the stars align and... He rolls off 10 wins. 
you know, this is, it's only, there's a couple threads away from being related directly to Mike Leach, but with the success of Mahomes in the NFL and him having come from a spread, it's already all over college football, right? Like Mike Leach is like job, mission accomplished, like 90, oh, 90% is too big. At least 75% use your offense in some variation across college football, right? Like it's everywhere. The spread is everywhere. The way he lines up his splits at offensive line, they're all across the place. With the success of Mahomes and potentially the NFL being more willing to draft these spread quarterbacks, and Gardner Minshew is a good example of this too, if if he succeeds in Jacksonville, I could really see Mississippi State becoming a place for either transfers or just outright recruits where he's able to pick some really good quarterbacks. And that's also going to really define the ceiling for Mississippi state. Well, I, honestly, like it'd be an attractive place for me to go if I was a quarterback, because looking at what Gardner Minshew did, like this is a guy that came kind of out of nowhere to come in for one year. Transferred from Eastern Carolina, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, actually like a, uh, like a junior college. <laughs> he went to ECU first and then went to a junior college. And aren't they the same? <laughs> that, oh, basically. Oh, oh, oh. Basically. Oh. That, explains, that explains the jorts and the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, going in and leading the country in passing yards, especially for a guy that doesn't have like the greatest arm on the face of the earth. Yeah, and then Gordon doing it the year after too. Like it, exactly, it's it's it's, it's, show, it's proof of proof of concept is my favorite yeah. word on this show. Probably those are three words. Phrase. Uh, moving on. To, is there any, actually, I know there is. Let's go to LSU, Kyle. Ah, oh, Bo Pelini. <laughs> Why is he, he still even coaching? I don't know. <laughs> Where did they dig him up from? Youngstown State, I don't know if he left or got fired, but he was most recently, I believe, the head coach at Youngstown State. Wow. Yeah, he. I mean, he got them into their the FCS playoffs. So, he did. I mean, he was not doing a poor job at Nebraska. Right? Like, that was a Nebraska. Nebraska, Florida stated before Florida State did in terms of <laughs> expectations and just and getting rid of something that was probably a good thing. So, Bo Pelini comes in as defensive coordinator. They bring in Scott Lenahan as the offensive coordinator slash, uh, I guess, passing game coordinator because Ensminger's still there. I believe their staff is the oldest in all of FBS. I just can't think of anything that's more LSU than having a conversation between two guys named Ed and Bo. (laughs) Ed, Bo, Steve, and Scott. Very, uh... Ed and Bo truly are, man, <laughs> hanging out in the bayou. And we know Ed what Bo, Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini does not sound like Coach O, but no, nobody sounds like Coach O. No, okay. I mean that's yeah, Cookie Monster. But like, it's, Cajun Cookie Monster. I truly wonder, like, can you think of a a weirder scenario than Bo Pelini stepping back into LSU after his last stint with Les Miles? Or was he? He was also there for Nick Saban too, wasn't he? Maybe. Oh, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, I think so for a year. 
so so either Nick Saban or Les Miles, and then coming back and it's just like, oh man, they let the inmates run the asylum, like like <laughs> at a, at, like at, and 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 the crazy part though is better than Les Miles certainly. Nick Saban, I'm not going to speak on it because he's obviously probably one of the best coaches of all time. But the recruiting that Edo does, it's going to only allow Scott Linehan and Bo Pelini's jobs to be about as easy as it gets, I'd imagine. You get to shape four and five stars. Yeah. Well, they're going to keep the same. I'm guessing they'll keep the same offensive system intact, but they are going to move to a, a 4-3 under Pelini. So that'll be kind of an interesting thing to watch because they, they were pretty much just like a 3-4 the last couple of years, right? Under Aranda. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of, yeah, they had a lot of, Mul- I felt like, yeah, I think they had a lot of nickel stuff too that they did because they always had a well, they, they had a wealth of safeties to work with. So I think they tried to use every opportunity to get them on. With Aranda. It's funny you should mention that 4-3, too, because that's actually going to uh, segue us into players to watch. I'm going to start with LSU. So, Bo Pelini's back. We mentioned that. LSU's changing from a 3-4 to a 4-3. So, what I'm going to look for is the nose nose tackle Tyler Shelvin being potentially a Glenn Dorsey-esque defensive tackle for, for Bo Pelini. And I remember, but it's easy to forget with how many years has passed between now and then, but LSU's defensive line was what Clemson's defensive line is today in terms of just every year they had an absolute dude or three lined up across there. So I'm kind of interested to see how LSU adapts and if they can still if Bo can keep churning out that high-quality defensive line play. Who do y'all got for LSU? Can I cover who's not there? <laughs> no Joe Burrow? I mean, just you lose Burrow, Edward Hilaire, I think three offensive linemen or four starters. It kind of They kind of split it, but that's a lot. You know, and losing Brady, I think that's, that's just a lot to overcome, even for how talented they'll be and they'll they'll be really stacked on offense they bring you know, the Jamar Chase. back yeah so and he's backed up by five stars but that that is a ton of production too yeah it's three three offensive players projected to be returning and three defensive players projected to be returning it's a lot of turnover but it's 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 also you know retooling at that point yeah. it's fine so, i mean so 16 out of 22 gone there's no way it doesn't affect them, but to my earlier point of the kind of talent that, that they're getting, it feels like there's just going to be 16 more players that are going to be that close to being a household name at the end. Like, I think they still have a fantastic year this year. It just won't be as good as last year. No. <laughs> they're, they're not going to run through the through through the entire landscape. La- last year. year's LSU run is probably is probably a top 20 run of all time in college football, at least in the modern era. I might say top five. Yeah, I was being, I was yeah. being really conservative because I didn't want to, I didn't <laughs> yeah. want to, I didn't want to catch any ads on Twitter, but, but <laughs> you get yeah, a quarterback they, that had the greatest year ever as a quarterback. I mean, yeah. It, blowing it, SEC teams out. It was 
Yeah, yeah, like the strength between between the strength of schedule, the level of talent that went to the NFL, and the awards just across the map with the the, the Heisman being the the highest and the championship itself. But yeah, they, I mean, that's a you go from having a top five team all time. It's going to be tough to replicate. Period. <laughs> like their fans are going to feel let down if they're just a top fifteen team this year. <laughs> I hope not. I hope. I mean, because. I, they might still I, be running out that high yeah, from last I, year. Because I'm keeping Edo until he decides to step down. If I'm LSU, oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's not. There's going no anymore. one that embodies that place more, and his he's just an absolute incredible recruiter. Like the way he speaks about the kids that he recruits, even the kids that he doesn't sign, and like the and wishing them well, and like he's just he's a complete professional. Also, his coronavirus uh, PSAs have been wonderful. Yeah, the, <laughs> an absolute treat. All right, Kyle, pick a different team. Um, I'm going to go to Georgia because I want to talk Jamie Newman. Oh. He's got a big arm. Is he going to be the starter? I I mean, you don't bring him in to not give him the starting job. I know that they recruit all the five-star quarterbacks there and they inevitably transfer. But, you know, he's got to be your starter. But do they let him just bomb the ball? I mean, that's the thing. Like Georgia is so ingrained in like, we're going to turn around and hand the ball off. So I think what Jeff was alluding to was, was the transfer of JT Daniels to Georgia. Oh yeah. No, no Newman's yeah, got him. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, he's eligible, but I don't think in a one-to-one, I can't see JT beating Jamie out. If, if nothing else to this point, I think Jamie's had that playbook longer with everything else that's been knocked out from the coronavirus. I think that is going to give him the edge. And I think I'd be, I, I'll put a stake in this in the sand, like Kyle, Jamie Newman's got to be the starter. And if both of them happen to start this year, I think you'll see a vast difference for the worse. If JT Daniels is in, not to say that JT Daniels is bad. Jamie Newman, I think is special. And he only got one wow. year with him. Big praise. I think Jamie Newman is going to be to Georgia as Russell Wilson was to Wisconsin. Really? And it's not just because he went from a North Carolina school to a different school. But but I think I really do think he's incredibly special. And I think it's only going to help. I mean, even there's even some parallels when you consider that Russell Wilson, Wisconsin team and what their defense was doing. Georgia's defense is returning 80% from their number one ranked defense, which is just slightly parlays into one of my players, Monty Rice, the linebacker. He is a sleeper pick for me for the Butkus Award. Like, he's going to have every chance in the world to to get his offense going because they're going to stop just about everybody, even in conference, especially in the East. I, I think Jamie Newman is... Yeah, I think Jamie Newman is is super special. I hope he's the starter over JT as much as I like JT. <laughs> but how how upset would he be if he uh, went there and then ended up being supplanted by uh, by JT Daniels? That'd be rough. The only oh benefit, God! The only benefit for him is if that happens, he does have the body of work from 2019, and I think he gets an NFL workout or NFL tryout. I don't think the same goes for JT because he had a 2018 that wasn't spectacular and getting hurt in 2019. And if he didn't earn the starting job in 2020, I don't see him having that 
that benefit of the doubt, maybe from the NFL side. So if there's someone that can afford to get benched, it's probably Newman in terms of opportunities at the next level. I, I saw an analytics point, and I honestly got, I can't even remember what the, what the point was, except that it was something like quarterback efficiency, something along those lines. And it compared JT Daniels 2018, which is a little unfair, different offense than what the USC ran in 2019. There's no doubt he would have had better numbers. But JT Daniels in 2018 versus Jamie Newman in 2019. And Newman was something like 34th in the country. And in 2018, JT Daniels was something like 112th in the country. Like it was a staggering difference. It might have been a pro football focus tweet. So <laughs> I think I think Jamie is just a better quarterback. And I know that the Wake Forest offense, I'm not going to get going into the read option again, but like they, they probably took advantage of Jamie Newman better than that 2018 USC team did for JT. Mm. It's a good point though. Newman is, is it hurts that JT even transferred there. I wish he transferred somewhere else. Jeff. We'll keep it in the division. Kentucky has had a a good couple years and they are losing, uh, Bowden. They're kind of interesting quarterback, dual threat quarterback. They're going to have Terry Wilson coming back. Yeah. Leading, leading quarterback and leading receiver. But, and uh, leading rusher. Yeah, the triple threat. But uh, Terry Wilson will be back. They also have Joey Gatewood, who's, uh, I believe, an Auburn transfer. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people are expecting a lot out of Kentucky. They're bringing back a ton of production on both sides of the ball. So it's just going to be really interesting. Like I said, Wilson had a good record, I think, as a starter, but really kind of underperformed. So... You know, can they can they replicate what they had last year with Bowden? I don't know, but it'll be uh, interesting to watch. This was a position that I had a focus on as well. One was kind of a shout out at how good Kentucky did at adapting with Bowden. Mm-hmm. The Terry Wilson and the Sawyer Smith returning are kind of different sides of the coin, where no one is Lynn Bowden athletically there, but Terry Wilson's more capable of doing that if they decided to keep that style. And Sawyer Smith is more of a passer type. So I had it with a big asterisk about Joey Gatewood, who, if anyone doesn't know, he was the number one ranked athlete in the 2018 class before he signed with Auburn. And then he transferred when they let Bo Nix start instead. Six foot five, 235, former track star. I don't have many highlights to go on other than high school, but he feels like a team I'm sorry he feels like a quarterback that could make Kentucky a top two team even as early as this year God when and you get to question, six, six five two thirty yeah and he's a track athlete like he's he's not he's not slow he's you're, he's get, a, you're getting into Cam Newton area right he there. looks okay his so size. he looks he looks like him when he runs too just off his high school tape and <laughs> seeing what that does in college and so with the asterisks of him getting the waiver about two hours ago, Auburn signed the waiver, so he's actually cleared to play this year. So Gatewood Ooh. is eligible for Kentucky this nice. season, question mark. <laughs> yeah, that quarter that quarterback that could be big. I it's it's almost like it's a quarterback the quarterback position to watch, but also just how both their coordinators, Eddie Grand, Darren Henshaw, adapt to whoever that quarterback ends up being because you have three quarterbacks that are all like Terry Wilson and Gatewood are probably more comps than than the Sawyer Smiths, but if it ends up being Smith 
the offense needs to change completely. He cannot run what Bowden ran or even something that kind of resembles it. it. It'll be really interesting to see how their offense grows because their defense, I think, is is one of the sh- – along with like your Georgias and Alabamas, I think now is probably one of the sure things when it comes to defenses in the SEC. I'll keep it going. We're going to stay in the East. We're just going to – we're going to knock out the top three in the East here. All right, so Florida Gators. Some quick stats. In 2018, Florida Gators averaged 213.5 passing yards per game and 213.2 rushing yards per game. This past year with Kyle Trask, they went to 300 passing yards per game and 129 rushing yards per game. Insert. Former five-star running back Lorenzo Lingard from Miami. He's going to play. He's going to take over where Michael Pirine left off. And Damian Pierce is still going to be there as well as a backup. If they can play more balanced. Because Kyle Trask is a talented quarterback, but there was nothing that he had on rushing. It felt like almost the entire season. And there's probably two games last year that they win if they had Ooh, that would have made them undefeated. Let me say one game. There's at least one game. I believe it's the Auburn game they played really. No, it might have been even the LSU game that they played really, really close. But with a running game, it might have been the difference to push them over the edge. It probably, no spoilers, might have them as my favorite in the East because it makes them a potentially very balanced offense. They did lose their starting right guard to transfer, Chris Blake. They didn't like even have a good offensive coordinator last or I'm sorry, they didn't have that great of an offensive line last year, like to begin with. And they were already it's a little patchwork, yeah. Yeah, they were already eleventh in offense as has been plus. So and, so and you know what? Maybe their like, offensive line has no no bearing on their uh on how well their offense runs. You know, maybe, but I guess you also made a good point. Like when I look at their success rates, passing, they were fourteenth in the country. Rushing, they were 96. That's probably a little bit of a result of that offensive line, like almost mm-hmm. certainly. So, so to your point, yeah, I, I mean, that could very well be a heavy loss come come down the stretch of the season. I mean, it's a guy that had that experience, you know, and was gaining you know chemistry with those guys. So losing somebody like that, you have to replace them in the lineup and start over. So that that can always affect everything. God, they lost both their guards. Now that I look at it, I think they lost both their guards. Okay, Kyle, give me a player. Uh, I'm going to go out to Mississippi State, and I'm going to say Kylan Hill. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, 13.50 in yards last year, ton touchdowns. Um, his role is going to change with Mike Leach in there. But it might make him more explosive. You never know. Uh, if he can get outside and catch the ball in the flats, he could be a very dangerous piece for a – for a Mike Leach offense. Could be utilized really well with motion too. And and freeing up the pass game. You take, I mean, he was the leading rusher in the SEC. So I think he opens it up. If nothing else, he opens it up for everybody else. Osiris Mitchell, one of their receivers was a good player. I wanted to point out and their Juco transfer Malik Heath. I think both of them are going to be, I mean, they're going to have Mike Leach wide receiver numbers, both probably (laughs) eight, 900, maybe a thousand yards each. Going back to Hill for a second, has Mike Leach ever had a thousand yard rusher? Am I silly for asking that? I don't think you're silly for asking. You're definitely not silly for asking that. That's not well, a silly, silly question. But... I have told the anecdote about my friend who was a running back for 
Texas Tech and the issues that he had there. Let me just do... God, I don't know if I can search. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Let me just... I'm going to pull up the last... Let's do I'm four, trying to think, like, five, six. Maybe have... Now, are we talking rusher or are we talking all-purpose yards? That's a good point. I'm just saying so, rusher. I don't know if he's ever had a thousand-yard rusher. I'm sure he's had some guys close. Yeah, the most recent season he had at Texas Tech, so 20, uh, 2009, when he had uh, another player in the shed, uh, Baron Batch was the running back. He had 884 yards. The okay. year before that, it was my buddy Shannon Woods, 716 yards. Then it was 430 the year before. Ooh, uh, my buddy Shannon had 926. Man, it was so close. I almost thought uh, so not rushing. Max Borgie last year had eight eight seventeen rushing, five ninety seven receiving. Yeah, that seems to be looking at these numbers here. Uh, what is it? Two thousand two. Torian Henderson seven ninety three rushing, six hundred yards receiving. Go to two thousand four, eight hundred forty yards rushing, two hundred eighty six receiving. So it's almost like it's almost like the same percentage every year for the the running backs. Except I think there's no way. Yeah, I'll say it. There's no way that any of these running backs are at the level of Kyle and Hill. So I think he will probably be a thousand yard rusher. Oh god, in a normal season, in a not in a normal season he's a thousand yard rusher, I think. Hashtag unprecedented times. Yeah. Yeah. And he's un- yeah, uncertain with the SpongeBob text. <laughs> Jeff? Gonna keep it offensive. A guy on a team that's close to Kyle's heart, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. Running back Eric Gray, I think he was a five-star coming out of high school, was really electric when I watched his his high school tape. But I think he bulked up a little bit and is still pretty quick, but really looks like he's going to be a breakout player. I think he had just under 600 yards for Tennessee last year, kind of a you know shared role. So I'm really interested to see. that Tennessee's going to have a really good offensive line. That's what um, I was about to say. Yep. Trey so, Smith. Yes, he's gonna be running behind, behind some him. big boys. Yeah, so I, I think he could be a breakout a breakout player this year. Switching to Tennessee's defense, they allowed fourteen touchdowns last year, <sighs> but they intercepted the ball fifteen times. I'm sorry, fourteen <laughs> passing touchdowns. Let me let me fix that here. They allowed fourteen passing touchdowns defensively. They had fifteen interceptions. They really only lose Nigel Warrior, who is a pretty big piece of that defense, but they have a pretty great, great freshman in Key Lawrence. Jalen McCullough, who's a sophomore, that's going to step in with the existing secondary of Bryce Thompson, Trayvon Flowers, Elante Taylor. They were a big part of the six-game win streak. If they're playing a team, say, that passes a lot, it could be a lot of fun seeing them fly all over the field. Not to mention they have one of the best-named linebackers in the country. And Henry 2020. Henry 2020? Yep. Is that hyphenated or is there an apostrophe or is it just? There's an apostrophe. Yes. Okay. T O apostrophe O T O apostrophe O. Oh. So there's wow. two. So there's there's Three two apostrophes. Words. No, it, it reads like two apostrophes in two words as a last yep. name. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's not a misprint. <laughs> nope. You know what? I, I want to have this little side note that I thought was really really funny. So in my copy of Athlon Sports, which has been really great for these previews, uh, free plug, the very first team is the only page that printed out 
messed up and it's Boston college and it's kind of perfect. Um, it's like, it's almost, it's just, it made all, it made me laugh when the only team that messed up printing was Boston college because it makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> Back to the sec. I mentioned Missouri keeping their defensive coordinator, their linebacker, Nick Bolton, who is one of the best linebackers in the country. He is going to be a really fun player to watch this year. The not to watch for Missouri is going to be the new system combined with three offensive linemen gone. And they're nice. probably going to be, yeah, they're, they're going to be a real rough offensive watch if I had to guess. With the uncertain times and all that. <laughs> Jeff, let's go back to Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so gonna flip it over to the west we talked about lsu a little bit you know um you talked about auburn's offense but they lose Derek brown it's just a superstar defensive lineman but they do have a stud returning with a fantastic name big cat bryant i think he's their nose tackle i think if you watched auburn last year you're just like who are these two 800 pounds of flesh on the line it was brown and and bryant so he's it sounds like he's going to be their next uh you know stud defensive lineman that defensive line against oregon last season was so much fun to watch because auburn oregon's offensive line was there to play too it was it was a lot of fun to watch that battle kyle do you have anybody for auburn nah maybe bo nicks but whatever We'll so sticking do. sticking on the other side, the other side of the trench for Auburn, they are returning no starters on the offensive line. Wow. And I've never, I think, ever seen that before. They're also bringing a new offensive line coach, Jack Bicknell Jr. Uh, good luck, Bo, I guess. <laughs> Shout That's out brutal. to Daniel, big time listener, Daniel. <laughs> uh, Regression. Pr- Pray for Bo. Hashtag pray for Bo. Auburn regression. This Kyle. Year. I'm going to go to the uh, to their their bunk mates. We're going to go with Alabama. And we could talk about Najee Harris, but I kind of want to talk about that defense. Bringing back Dylan Moses. Bringing back Patrick Sertain the second. They're going to be serious this year. Again, it's it's uh, Alabama. They, they retool all the time. That's all they do. But... This is probably going to be a pretty good defense. I don't expect Alabama to miss a beat at all with Tua gone either. Mm-mm. And then the defense is going to be better than last year, I think. And they weren't even awful. What what were they last year? They had God. They were, all right. They were third defensively SP plus. So so maybe we'll finish fourth and take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Patrick Sertain the second. I like the fact that. He's in there. <laughs> I, like how, I like that there's a uh, that he's a son of an old NFL player, yeah. and that he's coming up right now. That's that's fun to me. But I mean, dude's been nonstop since uh, he started in 2018. Jeff, do you have anything on like Bryce Young at all? I've read something recently that people are expecting. I hate these kind of like platitudes where they're like. You don't even have to worry about Tua. You have Bryce Young, but it sounds like there's really high expectations for him. I think he's from, is it modern day? Is that the high school out in, in California? Like California. 
the super prep, basically like mini college. I think he's he's from there. So yeah, I'd read Santa uh, Ana, California, but that doesn't mean anything in terms of. Let's do a quick. Uh, yeah, it's probably a prep school, and they're from everywhere. Yeah, originally attended Cathedral High School, transferred to Matter D High School. Oh, so he did. Okay. And he was the USA Today High School Offensive Player of the Year. So no high expectations. Nothing. <laughs> he's not big though. I mean, he's. I think he's uber talented, but his profile shows he's 5'11", 185, So a little bit yeah. smaller than than Tua. And Tua got beat up at his size. I, I kind of feel bad for Mac Jones in all of this. Yeah. Because I don't think Mac Jones is a bad quarterback. And if, if no, we expect not. The, if we expect Alabama to have the defense that they are going to have, frankly, I think I want to ride with Jones. Like he's he's good. I don't know how to say it other than that. He, he's I can only imagine him getting better too. I'm gonna hit two East I'm going to hit two East teams real quick just to knock out as we close this out or get closer to closing it out. Uh, Vanderbilt, they have an incoming freshman quarterback, Ken Seals. It feels like he's probably going to be the starting quarterback year one, even without the spring practice. It's probably going to be to keep both the offensive coordinator Todd Fitch's job and Mason's job. So keep an eye on it. This year might be rough, but he's a dual threat type of guy. He could be exciting given a couple years to grow. And then for South Carolina, Ryan Helensky and incoming freshman running back Marshawn Lloyd. Excited to see what their offense might do rushing-wise because they're going to hand it off to Marshawn Lloyd almost immediately. Their leading returning rusher had 179 yards last year. Like They lost pretty much all oh, of their gosh. running back produ- production. Their leading receiver had 489 yards and two touchdowns last year. So they lost a ton of production. So they're going to have to ride with Lloyd, and Halitsky's going to have to stay healthy and and try to do something. Maybe upset Georgia again. I don't know. They had some uh, pretty good success with the last running back that they had that had the initials ML. So Very good shout at that. All right, I've got an Arkansas, an Ole Miss, and an A&M. Do you have anybody from those teams? The guy who interests me most from A&M is – Mr. Mond, the quarterback, I think I feel like he really kind of burst on the scene a couple of years ago and hasn't been as good since. But uh, based on our friend Phil Steele's projections, their AM's in line for a huge year, and he's going to have to be big to be for that to happen. So I'm intrigued. Yeah, the pairing of Mond and the running back Isaiah Spiller, Jalen Weidermeyer, their tight end, supposed to he had a really good freshman year last year, building on that. I will believe it when I see it. For Arkansas, Felipe Franks. Oh, wow. Quarterback Felipe Franks. Ah. We may have all forgotten. So with him and running back Rakeem Boyd, Kendall Bryles isn't going to have a totally empty cupboard. I don't know. Good luck, Felipe. That's all I got, really. (laughs) It's going to be a tough tough year one. Still might die. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dude. Not. Well, you know what? I. Sam Pittman's an offensive line coach and a really, really good one. So if there's anybody that can take whatever is at Arkansas and make it turn strong to gold, it's probably Sam Pittman. So he's so for <laughs> hopefully, shit into uh, into yeah. less shit into straw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trick right there. Shit uh, into straw. It's, 
it's turning chicken shit into chicken soup, I believe, is, is the phrase that Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin. So chicken, chicken salad. Damn it. Damn it. I mean, chicken soup is good for your soul, but... I got, yeah, which, which Felipe Franks might have knocked out of him, depending on how the offensive line plays. <laughs> Finally, Old Miss. Jeff, you brought up a really good question about what is Jeff Lebby going to do after his year with uh, the offensive coordinator role at UCF. So John Reese Plumley was the quarterback down the stretch, and he was he was a lot of fun to watch last year. I think what is about to happen, I hope that it doesn't happen, is that Jeff Lebby is going to end up doing to John Reese Plumley with what Kevin Sumlin did to Khalil Tate, which was take a Rich Rod quarterback that was exciting, could run, could throw a little bit, it's not as you know his strength, especially compared to his run ability. But they have two running backs in Jerion Ely and Snoop Connor, both top-notch names, by the way, that they yes. can keep the running going. I hope that they don't try to make John Reese Plumley just a pure drop-back quarterback. I don't want him to be Khalil Tated. And that's it. That's all the players I got. Nice. On to games. On to games. Okay. We can knock these out pretty quick because we're getting a little long in the tooth on the recording. My only one, probably for every year, the payback on the Iron Bowl, Alabama against Auburn. If you forget that Auburn has has five new starting offensive linemen, you'll probably be reminded of that this game. It was the first time Alabama didn't hit the playoff because of Auburn's the loss to Auburn and the missing of the SEC championship game. Of course, the LSU loss didn't help either. What do you guys got? I'm going to go with uh, October 17th. Mr. Leach heading down to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Mississippi State, Alabama. <laughs> Just for the bants, really, more than anything. God, that's a good year one, too. The week after that, they have to go to LSU, too. God. <laughs> Mississippi State yeah, is taking tough run. the tour. No, because Mississippi State goes Alabama- LSU, Auburn. Goodbye, Leach. <laughs> and Texas A&M right before that. Too. I've got, uh, I'm have got. i going to put October 3rd out there, which is when Alabama goes to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin after Alabama and Nick Saban basically revitalized Lane Kiffin in college football. Mm. That's going to be that'll good. Be, that'll be a pretty interesting game because I think that there's also a lot that Lane Kiffin will have prepped for what Alabama is expected to do offensive and defensively. So it might be a at least for a half, maybe a closer game than it should be. I hate that we're picking all Alabama games, but they seem to be the flavor of the hour. Um, depending on how the scheduling falls, Georgia's first conference game will be at Alabama on September 19th. I think that's just going to be bananas. Jeez. Um, Marty, you talked about Georgia's defense bringing back like 80% of their production. So you, this could be like a, you know, a slugfest as these two teams kind of figure things out on offense, but I, that's going to be awesome early on in the season too. Texas A&M has at Auburn and at Alabama this year, cool. which is probably, yeah, it's a tough one for them probably having their strongest team under Jimbo. So it'll be time to really show what you got, I guess. A&M also having going at Mississippi state so that uh, all those 
all those Aggies get to be reminded what they had to deal with at Texas Tech when Leaf was there. So that'll be kind of fun too. <laughs> I've got LSU at Florida, depending on if it gets canceled by a hurricane or not. And they've swapped wins every game or every year for the last five years. So it'd be Florida's turn this year, which I, I expect <laughs> would probably happen just because of the turnover we mentioned to LSU. And that's all I got for games. Yeah. There's, there's one game that I'm kind of interested in, but it also kind of has to do with my picks. So we will, I'll discuss that during the picks. That's it for me. Okay, cool. Cool. So we're going to predict the SEC East, the SEC West, and the championship game. I'm going to start by picking the West, and I'm going to suggest that Alabama is going to be your SEC West champion. Very exciting. Very new. <laughs> Not used to it at all. <laughs> it's never yeah. happened before. Never. Yeah. First time. Kyle and Jeff. Who do you have in the West? I hate that we're in agreement on this, but I picked. Yeah, I picked Alabama to pick the to win the West. I think this is the first time we've all been aligned, but I just think LSU loses way too much, and Alabama, mm-hmm. pending that quarterback play. Just has is stocked on offense, and Kyle talked about their defense. They're going to be good again. I'm going with Bama too. Okay, so quick, quick follow up. Second place in the West. Do you think if you had to pick right now between Auburn, LSU, or Texas A&M, who do you like most? Oh, that's a tough one because LSU is losing so much. That has not stopped national writers, by the way. Like, everyone is still really, really, really yeah. high on LSU, which is crazy. Uh, I'm going to suggest tell. Oh, my goodness. I almost gave the, the supporter's name away. I'm going to support Texas A&M in second place for... I was just about to do that. Our listener, Tell Stevens. The man, the myth, the legend. So, <laughs> I was so just I, about to do that, and I was really upset that I said that too. Yeah, I'm sorry that we're both picking the Aggies. Like the, I don't like Well, I don't like the fact that I even have them that high because I don't actually believe they're going to be that good. <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't get it through my head with them being a successful like, like top notch team right now. It's we're so far past Manziel, and all they've done is been above average. Jeff. Second place in the West. Mm. Just to be a contrarian, I, I think LSU will still finish second. I think they're gonna have they're gonna have at least two losses, but they're gonna still finish second. Okay, and on to the East. I will start right where we left off with Jeff. Who do you have in the East? Damn it. <laughs> um I'm gonna go with Georgia. I think their schedule is I went back and forth. I think their schedule is a little bit easier than florida so yes georgia i picked florida and this is before i just pumped myself up for jamie newman so i'm regretting it a little bit (laughs) but i think florida is going to be i mean they were a lot of fun to watch last year i think i think they're going to be as good if not better this season and i'm not convinced that kyle trask is a huge big time nfl prospect but i think he's a damn good college Mm-hmm. quarterback and I think for that reason he has a chance to have a really special year this year and win the East Kyle so obviously I think that Florida and Georgia are the class of the East but I think it's going to come down to a game late in the season yes. Tennessee at Georgia 
Yes. I'm going to bite down hard and punch myself in the face and say <laughs> Tennessee is going to win the East. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yes. I just, I just got I just got literal chills. Can we uh, listen, I don't want to do just stunts for stunts, but if ten, if the season happens, Kyle, so it's already in your favor here, and if Tennessee <laughs> wins the East, can we get a video of me singing Rocky Top? Of you punching yourself in the face. <laughs> to Rocky Top? <laughs> to Rocky Top. To the rhythm of Rocky Top. Sure. Why not? Oh, oh, that is. It's on, it's on record. It's on record. Yep, yeah, I'll punch myself in the face. If Tennessee wins the East, Knoxville is going to burn. Like, we will be able to see the fires from Charlotte. I'll drive and do it with them. <laughs> it's going to be like that Sahara like the Sahara dust that came over Charlotte a couple weeks ago, yeah. but instead it's the, the Knoxville it's the, smoke. It's, it's the couch. Yeah, the couch smoke from Knoxville that gets burned up and just. I'll go over. burn down my old, like, deck, my, my old back deck over up, up there. Uh, it won't take much because it was already leaning. So. Okie doke. So, we all have Alabama in the West. I have Florida in the East. Jeff has Georgia. Kyle has Tennessee. Who do we have winning the championship? I will start with Kyle because I'm the most nervous about that answer. I'm going to double down. Oh, no. Oh, God. He's doing it. Fuck you, Alabama. Tennessee wins. Oh, this might... No hyperbole here. It might be the most shocked I've ever been on this show, like of all time. I'm I'm completely rooting with my heart right now. Oh man, that never backfires. <laughs> never. It's never never done anything wrong to me. I didn't just go through a heartbreak on Sunday uh, with Watford. This has the, never happened. I've got the oh god, yeah. This is this is everything. Come on, volunteers for the Watford. Do not get, win one for Watford, Vols. I've got the boring pick of Alabama winning it. Jeff, do you have Georgia or Alabama winning the SEC? I'm feeling the momentum from Kyle. I'm going to take Georgia. The The disciple finally defeats the master, and Kirby Smart and Georgia take the SEC crown. See, you know whenever you know whenever you stay up really late, and especially when we were younger, you know. and Watching Pac-12 game. Watching Pac-12 game, it's 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and you're kind of hysterical because you're so tired. I feel like because we've done all these conference previews, that's where Kyle is at right now. So I'm not even, so I'm not even sure Kyle's going to remember recording this. I feel like it might just be it might just be like a bad trip he's having from all the conferences we've previewed. He's and it's finally, it's finally amounted to this. I'm finally broken. To him, yeah, to, to, him, yeah, to him going all in and pushing all his chips in that Tennessee orange and pushing it forward. This is a, uh, it's a perfect forever. Yeah, this, oh, is, this is like it's the perfect way for us to not only end our conference previews, but we're going into a short break. We're going to wait a couple weeks before we record to see how the season's going to pan out. If any news breaks, we'll probably try to come up with an episode pretty shortly thereafter. So, I clearly need to go into some sort of like yeah. mental <clears throat> asylum for the next yeah, yeah. two weeks. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to institutionalize Kyle for a couple of weeks. Let, let him get let him get his frustrations out on a padded wall. <laughs> so, before we wrap up and, and say um, say goodbye to the SEC preview, you know what? Actually, no, this is our goodbye to the SEC preview. Bye bye. 
Feinbaum out. Feinbaum out. <laughs> and Kyle Feinbaum. Oh my god. Goodbye, so. Do what was but for you two guys, this is on the on the spot. How, how here. Is this? <laughs> we just said bye and now we're doing this? Okay. No, 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 yeah, yeah. We're saying bye to the SEC part of the preview. Okay, so SEC preview done. I just wanted to ask you guys what was which conference out of all the conference previews we've done up to this point, which is all of them, was the one you kind of had the most fun looking up and preparing for? The AAC, because I feel it's it's, it's going to be like the most like competitive. That was a lot of fun looking them up. Yeah, and those those early shows, the G five in general, we were still expecting. Not maybe not expecting, but hoping for a full season, so we previewed them as such. Yeah, AC, uh, AAC and the Mountain West show, probably my total favorite show to prep for. I, I think I agree with you. Not to mention we had some some great banter with uh with the with, boys. Yeah, with Nick and Chris. The, the The Big Ten was a lot of fun having Mark on too. That was mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Really in, in Jeff's wheelhouse. Jeff, what was one of your your favorite, I guess, previews that you that you uh you enjoyed? I'll echo you on the Mountain West because I've never gone that in depth on the Mountain West before, so that was that was a blast. And I, I thought our Big Twelve one was great. It was it was a lot of fun to prep for and then just the content of it was I think one of the best we've done. So those were kind of two that stood True. out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Parker Fleming came on for us and he was, he exceeded Money. all expectations for me. He was fantastic. The mountain West one, the one that it was so weird. Cause like, I feel the same way. It's the first time I've, I've really gotten into the mountain West as much as I did. And it did feel like going through and trying to prep the notes and everything. It felt like a, Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Like there was like all these little <laughs> nuggets. And it's like, Ooh, this coach, Ooh, this coach. Ooh, I didn't, Oh yeah, this coach. And it's just kind of like finding these new little tidbits here and there. It was really until you got to Jay Norvell, then you kind of lose the thread there. But yeah, the, the mountain West show was really fun. Do you guys have any parting thoughts before we take a short break? As we head um, into uh, decision season for whether or not we're actually going to have a season uh, season. Decision season. Um, I will give a shout out to the first G5 one that we uh, that we did just because it brought us Frank Solich pants. <laughs> Seems like a and lifetime ago now. It does, really. Um, and also, you know, a nice cap was my mental breakdown here at the end of this one. So... I'm happy with the, 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 with the with the with the growth that I've had during. It's this really time. kind of the starting and the ending of it all, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's gone from pants to mental breakdown. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah between Frank Solich's pants, uh, between New Freeze and Urban Meyer in a steel cage match, we've we've gone through the peaks and the Play, valleys. Playing the hits. So if you've guys have made it this far. We really appreciate you listening to the run pot option. If you have a second review us on iTunes, if you don't have iTunes, just subscribe to the show. Keep listening. We're going to keep coming out with good content and uh, yeah. Follow us at run pot option on Twitter. We want to hear more from you guys and we really appreciate you guys listening. Kyle and Jeff last words before we end this SEC preview. 
well, they've, you know, secured my arms at this point. So I will say bye-bye. <laughs> we'll see everybody in August. 2021. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 2020. Just to make that clear, just real quick. Bye, guys. Thank you all for listening. See ya. Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.